Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. I'm Sherry Knowlton, and I write the Alexa Williams series of books. Uh, They're called Dead of Autumn, Dead of Summer, Dead of Spring, and the latest is Dead of Winter. Hi, I'm Jody West. I write the Carlisle Crime Cases series, Dying for Vengeance, Courting Doubt in Darkness, Darkness at First Light, and Had a Dying Fall featuring Carlisle Homicide Detectives Christopher Snow and Aaron McCoy. My latest mystery, it's the fifth in the series, called Things Strangled, will be released in September of this year. Great news. Um, hmm. Our books are published by the Sunbury Press imprint, Milford House, and often we feature fellow, fellow sorry, Milford House authors. Today, we're pleased to have Patty Bialik with us. We're, we're going to chat with her about her new thriller, When the Numbers Don't Add Up. Patty is a retired CPA who specializes in forensic accounting, and maybe she'll tell us what that is. Much of her free time is spent traveling the world, meeting new friends wherever she goes, and after 10 years of traveling in a 40-foot luxury motor coach, she has settled in California desert with her two cats, teaching yoga and singing in her synagogue choir. Her first thriller, When the Numbers Don't Add Up, was published in May. Welcome to Milford House Mysteries, Patty. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Jody, and uh, thank you for inviting me. Surely. Well, let's get started with some information about your new book. Um, I have to admit, I'm not real big on math, um, but in this case, you I admire you because you've taken a career in accounting and made it the basis for an international thriller. Uh, can, can you tell us, Patty, a little bit about the, the plot of when the numbers don't add up? Um, no spoilers, of course, but you know, just give us an idea what the book's about. Well, my protagonist, uh, Pasha, is a successful accountant, and she's very talented in forensics. Forensics are simply um, expert witness uh, in in divorces and finding theft and um, errors in books, evaluating businesses and things like that. And so Pasha is very talented at that. And during a routine audit, she stumbles across an international crime. She has no idea and no ability to fight crime at this point in her career, but she is overwhelmed and she contacts the FBI and they end up bringing her in as a, as a temporary FBI agent. And so off she goes to help the FBI to solve this crime. Yeah, your protagonist, Pasha Stern, she undergoes quite a transformation in the book. 
Um, and much of it necessarily as she draws, you know, she's drawn into danger and as she's discovered these accounting errors. Um, now how did you approach this writing this character? And does her skill set match yours? Well, I like to uh, describe her as being um, her. She is Superman to my Clark Kent. I know that's the masculine, oh. but it's the best. It's the best description. <laughs> I, I am. I am the Clark Kent who is a little bit more meek and mild. Not quite, but a little. And she mm-hmm. does all the things I imagine and hope to do. And when I am handling a criminal case. Um, I would love to imagine myself to be able to do the things she's able to do. So, yes, there is a huge piece of me in her, but to extremes that I would never, ever be able to take it. (laughs) Well, you know, why not write fiction uh, if you want to live out of fantasy, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, um, Patty, some of the action in the book, when the numbers don't add up, uh, takes place in Israel. Um, have you been to Israel? Did you go there to research the book? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about why you um, included that connection uh, into the, the plot. I went to Israel with the intention of writing about it in a story. I had no idea what the story would be, but I knew that I wanted to bring that flavor into the book. And um, if I may be accurate and totally honest, I wanted to take a tax deduction for the trip. So I thought if I wrote about it, it's true. It's true. Um, So I, I, when I was on the trip, I recorded everything. I took notes. I described, Uh, wrote descriptions of each of the hotels in minute detail so that I would be able to describe them really accurately when I wrote the book. And um, it also, uh, one of the parts of Pasha that I developed was her connection to Judaism. And I wanted to uh, share with, I wanted to use her as a vehicle to share with the world some of the struggles of living in in modern America as a Jewish person. And Pasha will be developing her investigative skills, but also her spirituality as the uh, series continues. This is the first book of a four-book series. So Pasha Mm. is going to evolve. She's going to evolve as an investigator. She's going to evolve spiritually. And she's going to embrace and reject certain parts of her Judaism as she grows throughout these four books. Well, good. So it'll be educational for us. Um, you've referenced Pasha as Jewish, you know, having the Jewish faith, and that's going to be a you know an integral part of the plot. And then I noticed you categorized your book as Jewish fiction. Uh, do you believe that the novel would have special appeal for Jewish readers, and, and, and what about a broader audience? I think the book has broad appeal. It appeals to Jewish people because they can identify with her struggle, mm-hmm. but it appeals to non-Jewish people because I truly believe almost everyone must know at least one Jewish person in their life. And I've spoken to non-Jewish people who have read my book, this particular book, and they loved it. 
and they mention that they learned a lot about Judaism. It's it's not a Jewish book. It's just <laughs> that Pasha happens to be Jewish. Okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, I know you, in addition to, to this book, which, you know, we'll probably get back to in a minute or two, um, you wrote an earlier uh, book, which is a memoir about your own life. Um, it's called What Now? A Memoir of Self-Realization. Um, reading a synopsis of that book, it sounds like you've had, you, you, you said earlier that you were like the the Clark Kent. Well, I don't know. It sounds like you've had a fairly adventurous <laughs> life for old Clark. Um, you've traveled a bit. You've lived in a motor home for years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you think that's influenced your writing? Oh, it, it has influenced my writing to no end. The I think a, a, a writer is a storyteller. And the more stories that we have to tell, the more they can influence what we write. As I spent 10 years in that motorhome searching for myself, I found her. <laughs> but <laughs> along the way, along the way uh, I had more adventures, more, more terrifying experiences, exciting experiences, love, disappointment. Um, everything that you could possibly experience. And because I was moving around so constantly, my experiences were 10 times what possibly the average person might experience. And so I have so many stories to tell, not necessarily of my time on the road, but I have felt so many emotions and been exposed to so many opportunities to get to know people that were so diverse and so different from myself. And when I'm writing characters in fiction, I have all that experience to draw from, all those people and everything that they showed me about life that I might not have experienced had I sat in an apartment somewhere in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. <laughs> so I think mm. that it's given me a wide world view. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. It's an interesting contrast to go from, you know, writing a memoir to the varied experiences as a fictional writer, um, you know, with all the structural elements that uh, writing requires, like you know, character development, plot, narration, and so much more involved. And was that transition difficult, or did you? The transition was fascinating. I, I wrote my memoir, and I decided that I was not going to be a one book wonder. Not that my book was a wonder, but that was how I that was how my brain translated it. And I decided that once I did my memoir, okay, I did that. That taught me how to write a book, how to publish a book, how to do publicity, do TV and all of those things. The next step was to write the great American novel. Well, I'm not quite there yet. I, I wouldn't go so far to say that this is the great American novel, but this is a darn good novel. Um, so I set out to figure out how to write a novel. And I took a couple online classes because I was in my motor home. And so on the road, I would take a couple classes. And I learned that it really is just doing it. Everything in life is just doing it. That's the bottom line to everything I've ever learned on the road or taking any class anywhere. 
And so the transition was to create my own way of doing it. And I did not follow any rules. I made up my own way. I made up my own game. I made up my own approach. You you want to share that with us? Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Of course I will. Um, I start, my, my mind is, populated with characters whether that's good or bad I don't know but I have characters and they're sometimes connected to people I've met along the road that I wish I had said something to and my mind plays out the whole drama as I wish it would have gone or they're completely fictitious characters but what I do is I I I learned from John Grisham, or actually from Stephen King's book on writing, he writes mm-hmm. three to 5,000 words a day. So I decided that I would write 5,000 words a day, only in the first writing of, I, I can't write 5,000 words a day every day, but in the first draft of the novel, I wrote 5,000 words every day, and I would just write scenes, or I would write a story, or I would write a, an adventure, I would write a love story. I would write a crime story. And I put all of those on the floor, printed them, and put them in some kind of sequence that made a big story. Then I took all those and I wrote dialogue and I wrote connecting um, descriptions and segues until I had the flow of a novel. And then two or three rewrites later, I smoothed it out and, and brought it into a neat story with a, with a climax and an ending and pulled it all together. It took me about, I would say, a total of five rewrites, intense rewrites, <laughs> to, to bring it all together. But that worked. And I've just finished the next book of the series, and I used the same technique, and the second book is done, and now I'm ready for my second rewrite. I'm up to the second rewrite on the next book. So it seems to work for me. It, it might be cumbersome to some, and it may seem completely off the wall to others, but for me it works. I just write. I write 5,000 words, and it doesn't matter what it is. It does not matter whether it's literary, whether there's overused words, whether it's bad Uh, grammar. That's all for rewrites and editing. I just get it out. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really interesting um, technique. It's it's so funny that, um, you know, it seems like every writer has their own process, and even the ones that sound similar are not ever exactly the same. So, you know, it's sort of like whatever works, right? Exactly, and that's why the the couple classes I took, I found them to be, uh, with all due respect, a total waste of time because they were (laughs) geared, I don't know what they were geared to, but when other students are critiquing your work, and in one class a woman told me, I swear too much. Well, I didn't find (laughs) that to be very helpful because my character swears. I'm sorry, I'm warning you right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So the, the, cla- the classes I think that the classes might help get someone involved in writing and get them to begin to write but I think writing a novel requires 
a, a great deal more um, discipline and creating your own way. Yeah, I think a lot of it does depend on the class, but, um, yeah. You know, um, one of the things that you said is that, uh, you know, you sort of made it up and go your own way, which is, you know, what we've been talking about for the last couple minutes. Um, and I, I, that made me think about uh, this. Um, she goes, uh, Pasha goes and becomes a... Um, a temporary FBI agent. Um, first, you know, I, I want to ask a couple questions here. You know, first, is that really a thing? Um, and then <laughs> in the synopsis, you talk about how she confronts her ex-hippie disdain for violence when her sur- survival is at stake. You know, is, does she go through FBI training, or does she just uh, realize that she needs to, you know, be a little more practical when she's confronted with violence. No, I, I think Pasha is a work in progress, and she initially is not happy to be drawn into this case. The FBI agents really force her into it, and uh, becoming a temporary agent is necessary because she's traveling to Israel to uh, continue with this help, and she needs to be under the authority of the FBI. She can't just go wandering into Israel and go, hey, here I am. So... um, so the the necessity to make her a temporary agent um, does a couple things. It it legitimate legitimizes her trip, and it also uh, gives her contact with all these FBI agents. And in the future, in future books, these contacts will be very important to her. And um, the F, the ex hippie uh, desire to not to not shoot anybody is just her personality. And when she's in the middle of a gunfight, she's forced to actually hold that gun. I mean, she's done target practice and she's done exercises with the FBI. They trained her and she had agents training her and she has Mossad agents coming to train her. And so she's, she's really been taught, but um, how much can you learn in a month as opposed to going to, uh, you know, Guantanamo, Guantanamo and being trained for three years or however long the training is to be an agent. So um, she's still very much not mentally attuned to what it takes to be an agent. She's there against her better judgment, and she is not all that thrilled about Israel or being Jewish or any part of it. And here she is, and they're telling her, you need to go because you're going to save Israel. And she's thinking, do I care? No. Well, you said you had four books planned, um, and you mentioned uh, that, that Pasha, is, that when the numbers don't add up, that, that this is the first one. And you said your uh-huh. second one's finished. Do you care to tell yep. us, like, the title and a little bit about that second one? Oh, I'd be happy to because it's still fresh in my creativity. <laughs> um, it's When Good Girls Go Bad. <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's a lot more gory there's a lot more crime and blood and all that but it really is about um, a ponzi scheme 
and that becomes clear very early in the story, so I'm not really um, giving too much of a, of, of a secret away. But there's murders, and there's finance, and there's uh, college students. And um, uh, Pasha is uh, – I, I don't want to give away too much about what Pasha is doing at that point because it kind of spoils the end of the first book. But oh. um, Pasha is – uh, well, I, I, I don't want to say what Pasha is doing in the second book yet because I want more people to read the first book, and if they know how it ends, then that would kind of be a spoiler. But oh, Pasha sure, is still – I'm sorry, what? Yeah, we respect that. I mean, you know, don't tell us anything more than you want to. <laughs> but but Pasha is still very much um, investigating and uh, trying to solve the, the mystery of – uh, she is not solving the murder mystery, but she's in cahoots with an FBI agent. Who, not cahoots. She's working with an FBI agent who is. And they kind of are working together again as they worked in the first book. And um, this has a little bit more romance. Pasha might have a romance in the second book, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, the, the crimes are varied there's a lot more of them there's a lot more people committing them and they're all intertwined and um i'm hoping that now remember i've only done the first write uh the first uh draft of the book so mm-hmm. over the period of four rewrites i can only tell you how much you can only imagine how much it will change between now and then <laughs> but um but there will be oh, some I very bloody <laughs> <laughs> there will be some very, very bloody, bloody things going on in this Ooh. book. <laughs> well, we're both mystery and suspense writers, so that doesn't phase up at all. That's good. Oh, good. <laughs> um, he, uh, the, one of the things that you um, alluded to, of course, was uh, that, you know, you're anxious to have as many people buy uh, your first thriller when the numbers don't add up um, as possible. Uh, and as a, uh, I know you have a previous book with an entirely different genre. Um, what what has been your sort of marketing approach to the book? Anything you want to share? Do you have any public events coming up? Or, or how, what else are you doing, Patty, to, to try to, promote the book um you know of course coming on a podcast is always a good way but um, so that, i'm sure there is, are other things is that you're doing. um well i have um i'm on facebook and i'm a singer and so i do have quite a few followers on facebook uh following my various singing <laughs> i sing in choirs and so i sing in a variety oh. of choirs i have musicians that i'm um connected with and they all share all of my posts um i have more successful singers than myself who share my my posts on facebook so i get a wide uh a, a wide viewing on facebook facebook because of my own large base plus all of my successful singing base in addition to that, I promoted at the synagogue. Um, the rabbi has promoted my book with a great deal of humor. Um, he introduced the congregation. We have an FBI agent in our congregation. I went, oh no, <laughs> he's, he's going to. That's what he, that's how he's promoting me. But um, but he has promoted me. The congregants are 
have been giving me wonderful feedback. They promote me to their friends. And so word of mouth, I do know that people are hearing about my book. How I make them buy it, (laughs) well, I can only hope for the best. But the word is getting out. In addition, um, I've had a couple book signings and uh, have had books available at the book signings, and people have bought them. Um, And then I always... (laughs) Somebody years ago told me a good author always has copies of her book in her trunk. I yes. I took that to heart. I always have mm-hmm. books in my trunk, and wherever I go, every stranger I speak to, I mention that I'm an author. And they'll say, oh, where can I find your book? Oh, I have one right here. And I just <laughs> sell them blatantly wherever I go. <laughs> Great That's strategy. a good approach. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Uh, so do you want to share with us and the audience where readers can get your books or follow you on social media? Um, you can certainly follow me um, on, on Facebook. Um, if you ask to friend me, I will friend you. And um, uh, I am putting up a Facebook page for the for the book. And um Ironically, my rabbi was going to help me put that page up, page up, and we haven't gotten around to it yet, but I'm seeing him today, and I'm going to make him help me put the page up. Um, also, I'm on um, Twitter and Instagram and all of those, and I'm on under my own name, so you can look for me as Patty Bialik. Um, mm-hmm. And that, so far, that's all I've been able to do, but I... I do try to have a public um, profile, um, and uh, I find that I'm better. I'm probably better known for my singing, not that I'm famous, but as a singer. And so um, I am very public with that, so I'm easy enough to find. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good start. Yes, I'm. I'm doing my best, and I, I, you know, I don't stop promoting myself. the best news and the, the easiest part of promoting this particular book is that I've got, I've uh, received such wonderful feedback and I don't think everyone is lying to me just because they like me. Um, every time I go any place and I see people that I know, at least one or two people come up to me and hug me and say, I just finished your book and I loved it. And I'm, I'm, developing the self-confidence to not say, really? I'm beginning to say, thank you. (laughs) But initially I I was a little bit um, unsure of myself because it is my first novel, but I'm beginning to get the confidence and the understanding that people really are enjoying the book. And it really does have a fun plot. It's a thriller. They're on the edge of their seat. They can't put it down. People are saying things like, um, I read it in two days. I couldn't put it down, and I love that. I it really, um, it really it's encourages me to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. it sounds um, like you're getting great reader feedback, and and that's one of the best measures of a of a good book, I believe. 
Um, I, you know, I think we're at the end of our uh, time for today, but best of luck on when the numbers don't add up, although I'm not sure between the rabbi and possible divine intervention, <laughs> I'm not sure you need our good wishes. Um, also, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> good luck on the, uh, the rest of the series that you've got ahead of us, and thank you, Patty Bialik, for joining us today. Thank you. And a reminder all to all you readers and our listeners, our books are uh, all of our books are available at Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any online retailer and independent um, bookseller can order it. And a special thanks, I should say them, can order them. And a special thanks to all of you out there listening to the Milford House Mysteries. We really hope you enjoyed our program, and thanks for tuning in. We're taking next month off, so August is our vacation, our summer break, but we'll be back in September with a new podcast. In the meantime, um, you can listen to some of our previous podcasts that you may have missed. Just search Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network, um, and also follow us on social media. I'm on the web at www.SherryNolton.com, plus I have a Facebook page and Twitter, and our last podcast was writing tips. You know, so if you're looking for, uh, you know, a fresh approach or a different, you know, entry or just some, you know, tips for writing, just tune in, you know, listen to it. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Carlisle Crime Cases by J.M. West. And my website is www.carlislecrimecases.com. So until next time. Thanks again, Patty. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.